0: Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hi, Don. J.J., question for you. Yes? If you worked virtually, which yep. you actually do, do about a week a month, yep, a week you, a month you head to New sure. York, you head to New Jersey, you work from there, honestly, yeah. what does your day look like? I
1: was just talking about this with somebody. I actually work harder when I work remotely because I want to prove that I'm working.
0: Really? You (laughs) have that, like, is it like a guilt feeling?
1: Yeah. I know that I'm kind of... The company is really doing me a favor by allowing me to do this. And so I... I start work in New York at 9 a.m., which is 8 a.m. here, and then I stay on my computer and continue working until 6 p.m. in New York because it's still 5 p.m. here. So ah, I actually put in you extra put in hours. extra hour. Yeah, because I want to make sure that I'm available the whole time when people are working here. So, I mean, the nice thing is, is that I do get to get up where, say, when I'm here at our office here in Nashville, I get up and maybe we go play Frisbee outside. But right, um, right. when I'm in New Jersey, I'll take the dog for a walk or I'll do – Dishes, or I'll, you know, I'll kind of like. Yeah, do some You have activity. to give your
0: brain these ten minutes. Yeah, but the,
1: I would say the biggest nice thing is it usually takes me a very long time to take a shower. Like I don't, <laughs> like I don't take a shower for most of the day. Are you? In, so you're in
0: pajamas still yeah, most of the day? I,
1: I'm in pajamas most of the day unless Can't I have a conference it. call.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait, so you, oh, you mean like if you're on a video. video?
1: Yeah, if I'm on a video call, then I like. How many I,
0: times have you done the uh, nice shirt in boxers? A video couple times. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> Yes,
1: I will wear like a, a nice shirt and I'll like kind of clean my face and do my hair. You realize that.
0: everybody now that, that, that you do that, that with is are going to yeah. say, would you stand up?
1: <laughs> yeah, would you please stand <laughs> up? Dang it, dang it. I should not have said that. Now I'm going said, to have to take should a shower. Have said, no, I put on pants every yeah, day. Every day, one leg at a time, just like everybody else. Do you prefer virtual or in person?
0: I've been working essentially virtually for 15 years. Yeah. And we have an office, but I don't have an office in the office. I have a shed out back. Yeah. Say I, I work out of the shed maybe twenty five percent of the time. And then I work in mostly in the home office.
1: Yeah. Well, but here's you the do thing. put pants on because I've come over here. And
0: I take here's a, w- a weird thing. I take on average four showers a day. Really? Uh huh. <laughs> I'm a very clean person.
1: Between like cause you go and work out in the gym. Like so you go before yeah, I, well, you. Well, I used yeah. to
0: take more and Betsy yeah. said you have to stop. But I would actually wake up, take a shower, go to the gym and jump in the pool. And then I would take a shower after <laughs> I got out of the pool at the gym. And then I'd come home and take a shower in order to change into I, mean, I would take 3 showers before nine. I mean this is turning
1: a. into a hygiene episode more than work location, <laughs> but like I well, definitely of. when I'm in contact with people I've always shower.
0: Supposedly Aaron Sorkin takes like 15 to 20 showers a day. Interesting. Because his best ideas come in the shower. Ah. So it's actually not about showering. Yeah. For me a shower is a transition.
1: Interesting. So if I'm transitioning okay.
0: from any sort of work to another kind of work, yeah. if I change clothes, I take a shower and the day starts over at that point.
1: That's interesting. because i in
0: of the virtual workspace.
1: Well, when I'm in the office, when I want to transition, I walk out of my office and just like either get some water or something to walk back in because doorways also act as transition. Isn't that weird? And so I f- do. If I physically, when I'm done with a project or a meeting, I get up out of my office, I walk out, grab a drink of water or a snack, and then I walk back in and it's a new task.
0: Here's the meta point. Because people are wondering, where are you going with this interview? Yeah. This interview is about workspace. Yeah, It's about literally the physical spaces that we work in, whether we work virtually, and how much they actually matter. And I would have said, you know, before this interview and before me thinking about it very much— I would have said probably doesn't matter a whole lot. And some of these, you know, we go work at companies, you know, to do story brand workshops and private workshops. They have, you know, a giant cereal bar. Or they have like a yeah. fireman <laughs> pole. And I'm looking around going, really? You know, is anybody actually getting any work done? They are. Yeah. The space is actually matter. Here's an example of this just from our home. We used to record this podcast or we still record this podcast in my home office. That's mm-hmm. where we are right now. Mm-hmm. But it looks completely different than it did a week ago. We took all of our office furniture, and we put it in the dining room, and took the dining room furniture, and brought it up to the office, because we don't use the office, and we don't use the dining room. And we thought, well, let's switch it and see if we use it. I would say, Betsy and I now, and it's only been about 10 days, Yeah. I would say we would have turned on the television all 10 days, we've turned the television on once. It's made that much of a difference. Because you're able
1: to sit downstairs There's somewhere that we can
0: sit next to each other and read Books
1: that's not a TV in front of you. So
0: that got me thinking because we're doing these interviews and I'm reading, you know, Brian Miles and Jacob Morgan's books to understand this stuff. Yeah. And physical space matters. Now, here's why it matters to business leaders. Here's why it matters to you if you're just a solo entrepreneur. What if you could move your desk somewhere, move a chair somewhere, move a lamp somewhere and become more productive automatically? Yeah. Would you do it? Yeah. And have an easier time getting work done? All that stuff really, really matters. And, you know, there's other stuff that we're going to talk about. If you're running a company, and like StoryBrand is, JJ, you know, we're in negotiations to build an office in downtown Nashville. Yeah. You know, we're growing. We got to do something. And talking to Brian, who wrote a book called Virtual Culture, he said, don't do it. Yeah. He's got 400 contractors and 68 full-time employees, and he's never had an office. Yeah, They all work from home. And
1: they have an amazing culture. They're always like very high. They rated won awards for high. their culture. Yeah, they've won awards for having
0: like great places to work. And Jacob Morgan actually talks about virtual culture a little bit, but then he actually talks about, well, if you're going to do office space here's some things to consider to make an office space that's going to be most productive for your team. Ultimately, my team, we kind of voted on it. We had a really long conversation. We decided we want an office. We yeah. actually like being together. Yeah. It's part of the charm of working at StoryBrand is us you know, yeah. throwing <laughs> Frisbees out the back window. Yeah. you know, We love it, but space means a lot. You know, mm-hmm. as a writer, you start a novel, and it starts with you have to create exposition. Yeah. The space is actually a character in the story, and if you don't think so... If you say, Don, this is not an episode for me. I'm going to go to some other self-episode. Stop. (laughs) Stop. Yeah. Listen. And think it through. Because it
1: really is about intentionality more than anything. Because, you know, like when the dot-com boom happened, there was all this open workspace, right? Like where everybody kind of saw each other, was looking each other in the eye, and the collaboration was wonderful. Yeah. And everybody's like, this is the way of the future. This is how offices will exist. And then there was like pushback. And it was like, well, actually some people need space and you need to have Mm -hmm. closed rooms for closed meetings. And the virtual culture kind of blew up. And then everybody's like, only do the virtual culture. And the reality of all of them work, all of them have Positives and negatives, but it's all about intentionality and what kind of environment are you setting? What kind of people do you have? And what are you trying to accomplish?
0: Yeah, after listening to this interview, you may be moving some desks around at the office and it becomes more productive. Well, our first guest is Brian Miles. Brian is the CEO of Belay Solutions. We've had Brian on before. He actually did a great interview about how to interact with a personal assistant because his company. Provides personal executive assistance for people who are virtual. Yeah. And I actually have one. Melissa is fantastic. She's changed my life. But we didn't want to talk to him about that. We wanted to talk to him about virtual culture. How do yeah. you create a company that is virtual? Yeah, and I'm going to tell you, he's got strong opinions. Yeah. He's binary. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's he's like, like, this is it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you have an assembly line and you're making lawnmowers, do it virtually. <laughs> yeah. Mail the nuts and bolts to each other. <laughs> you know, whatever. So Of course, he has caveats for all that stuff. But, you know, he's a fascinating guy. He's obviously built an incredible company and he's done it all virtually. And then we're going to get to Jacob Morgan in a second. He wrote a book called The Employee Experience Advantage. There's a lot. There's a lot about creating culture and all that kind of stuff. But we actually just wanted to talk to him about chapter five. And chapter five is the physical workspace. How do you orchestrate a physical workspace for chief productivity? But Brian Miles is first, author of Virtual Culture. Here, let's dive in. Brian, welcome back thrilled to be here. We've had only a limited number of guests on twice. Yes, You are in rarefied air. That is awesome. And last time we talked, we talked about how to get the most out of your relationship with your virtual assistant, with your assistant. And now we're going to talk about something completely different because you've got this book out called Virtual Culture. The Way We Work Doesn't Work Anymore. You're going to counsel me here. I'm going to get some free counsel <laughs> because you built this company of virtual assistants. You have a company called Belay and they can call you, and they can get a virtual assistant to work from 10 hours to 30 hours or so a week for you. I actually have one. It's worked out terrifically. And I was shocked that you have 60 full-time employees. That doesn't include the 450-some-odd virtual assistants. It's 60 full-time employees running this virtual assistant company. You have an award-winning or at least a recognized culture of happiness. (laughs) Yeah. And you have no office.
2: Yep, none. Zero that's,
0: how did you get the award without – I'm just going to ask the basic questions. But, yeah, no, you know, it's okay. Forgive my naivete. We
2: can uh, put the cookies on the low shelf. Yeah, so, yeah, there you go. Well, what happened last year is Entrepreneur Magazine has a small business company culture award. Right. We basically took first place. It's third-party managed, so we can't manipulate the numbers or anything like that. And so we found out, surprisingly, we were number one. And I was stoked. But then we started looking at the list, and I'm almost certain no one else on that list has they a all virtual have office culture yeah we're the only ones that we know that actually doesn't have an office
0: that's a selling point cuz we're all trying to create better cultures okay here's our situation our situation is we've outgrown our current office we are looking all over for commercial space. Don't do it. Well, well, hold on. I'm I'm for, you know, there's also financial reasons you would want to do it, right? I could buy a building for 1.5 and sure. 4 years from now that building would be worth $7 million or sure. something like that. So there's some other reasons to do that. There's also if you have a production plan, you have to produce something. People can't mail in their part. Right. There's reasons that virtual culture won't work, right? I'm not saying those are ours because I think we could go a lot more virtual than we have, but I want you to walk me through it. It's been a nightmare. I mean, to find a place for everybody to fit and to make it economically feasible has not been great. I don't know if it's the right time to buy commercial space because I think we're in a bit of a bubble Mm -hmm. in terms of commercial space. So I'm beginning to think about virtual culture. So here's the things that I think about. When I think about doing what you're asking me to do in this book and trying to convince the world this is the right way to go, I am not a micromanager. I walk into the room, beginning of the year, here's where we're going, here's the vision. I'm a 50,000 foot guy. And then I've got you know some 30,000-foot leadership, and then we have some street-level leadership. I worry that because I'm such a big-picture guy, and I won't have this system to remind everybody where we're going all the time. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, but I think you're primed for it. I mean, the fact that you're already growing and scaling like you are, and you assume certain things of your team, and there's some expectation that they need to produce a result, none of that Requires an office.
0: Did you start and create a virtual culture because you had this vision for a virtual culture, or did you do it out of necessity because you just
2: didn't want to have a, well, an we, office? We did start in our basement. Okay. You know, so I mean, that was how many know.
0: people did you top out at there?
2: Uh, two. <laughs> My <laughs> wife no and more, I. There's yeah. no more room. We literally <laughs> sat three feet from each other, and it worked. You know, from in our startup days. But you know, as we've grown, you know, there was a time, probably three years in, we said, well. You know, legitimate companies, they go get office space. I guess we need to go do that now. And I mean, leasing office space these days oh, for it us, it's not worth dollars $30,000 a month. Well, you look at, at that time, we had around 30 employees. And I said, wow. okay, we're going to have to put them all in an office. I did the math. Wait, I, so
0: you had already grown to 30 and they were all virtual?
2: Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you understood how to run the thing and navigate the thing. It's what you know. Yeah, but it, there was this tension that we had like, gosh, we, I feel like we need an office. And mm-hmm. we went out and hired like we're, a consultant. Like we're not
0: a, if we don't have a place, we don't, we're not a real thing. Yeah,
2: which I've now come to realize is bunk. I mean, right. the truth is we're a very legitimate organization, and an office does nothing to legitimize our organization, our results. Well, you results. actually
0: say on page 30 of the book, shared vision, not shared spaces, creates a culture. It's about instilling a sense of belonging for your employees and ensuring they identify with the greater mission and values of the company. Yeah. You're saying if that is strong, which I think is one of the main jobs of leadership is actually just to, That's to right. create that. Your culture can survive people not sharing a bunch of time together.
2: Yeah, well, and they can go share time with each other at Starbucks or, you know, at meetings we have that are, you know, at a co-work location or Are whatever. you finding that
0: you're having to do more of those, sort of more of vision reminder meetings because there's not, you know, core values painted on the wall of some office?
2: No. Our teams, they do get together for, you know, role-specific things. But, you know, quarterly we are getting together in some way, shape, or form as a corporate team. And our corporate team, against our 60 employees. And those are all non client facing roles. So, you know, myself or marketing, sales, HR, legal, you know, whatever. I mean, we're all kind of corporate folks. They're getting together quarterly to talk through, hey, this is where we're headed, this is where we've been, teams collaborate or so forth. But then individually, they can get together for lunch or, you know, the sales team's always meeting to review quota or, you know, their pipeline. I mean, they're doing things that like any other company would. Yeah. But a lot of that's done on Zoom, Mm -hmm. you know, because they don't need to get out and go into an office to do that.
0: Maybe part of my hesitancy, and I think we're just going to have to go this way, to be honest with you, but I think part of my hesitancy is I've spent years as a writer, and I know how it is to structure your day as a writer. There's an amount of work I need to get done today, and you wake up You say, well, I don't want to do it right now. I think I'm going to walk the dog, because i got all day to do this. I'm going to walk the dog down by the river. <laughs> You come back, somebody calls, says, hey, you want to grab lunch? And you're like, oh, jeez, I only have 90 minutes until I'm supposed to meet that person for lunch. I probably won't dive in. And then you have lunch. <laughs> then you come back from lunch, like, jeez, kind of nappy. I mean, I had a lot of carbs at yeah. lunch. Should, probably shouldn't have had those carbs if I knew I was going to write today. So you kind of nap, you wake up. You're a little groggy when you wake up, so you watch a little bit of TV. Pretty yeah. soon sure it's 4 o'clock, <laughs> and maybe I'm projecting that my old writing. Yeah. Now, I don't. That doesn't happen to me anymore.
2: Yeah, and that's not true of most people that work from home.
0: Repeat that. I mean, did you discover that, or how did you figure that out, that most people were not, in fact, stealing your time? Because that's a traditional way that people are going to view this. I think
2: that's an old corporate dogma that's just not there. I mean, this notion that if I can't see you, I can't control you, that type of thing, that assumption that if I can't see them, then are they really working? That's just not there. I mean, most people that work from home, they've come from amazing corporate backgrounds.
0: Yeah, you talk about this on page 51. There is a lack of trust among employees in corporate America. Their default is suspicion. When there is trust, you will see a healthier bottom line. I see how happy my employees are to work here, and I see how it translates directly into our success. Is there a type of person who can lead a virtual company and a type of person who cannot? That's a great question.
2: I know for I me... Mean, are there me, just
0: some people you're going, hey, this person shouldn't run a virtual culture because they're just going yeah. to end up
2: in the hospital? People that must be around other people all the time probably should put an office in. you know. Or if you're a, a person that's always suspicious, you should have an office. I mean, Is there a hybrid where you have you know, sort of a shared workspace
0: where people can or cannot be there, doesn't matter? Yeah. Have you yeah. seen that work?
2: Yeah, we do it, but we don't have an actual office. We have a membership to a co work location in Atlanta called Rome. Uh, and your people have memberships, and they yeah. can go and meet each other. They can go in there. their work. You know, maybe there's someone hanging sheetrock at their house, you know, and they need a place to go that work that's quiet, or maybe they need to go meet a co-worker yeah. you know, to collaborate on something. Or maybe they just are sick of their house. Yeah. You know, they can go somewhere else and do that, and that's already kind of available to them.
0: Okay. I want to talk about the kind of person you want to hire. I want to end with that. But before we get there, I want to talk about how you organize your actual, the instructive part of running a company. I mean, how do you vision cast, break down that vision into assignment and keep everybody accountable to run those up? How would you run four disciplines of execution or the Rockefeller scaling up system? How would you do that in a virtual culture?
2: Well, we've had the scale, which means that You know, Shannon and myself, we've had to replicate ourselves and then get out of the way. So I think it starts with really clear expectations of what's expected Them We follow the Dave Ramsey model, the KRAs, the Key Result Areas. Right. We put a lot of clarity around what winning looks like for each specific role. Do you and your wife, your co-CEOs of this Mm -hmm. company, do you guys sit and do that? Or do you have
0: people who decide what the KRAs are for you?
2: Well, the managers leading those folks now do that. In gotcha. the early days, and we absolutely And they report back did. to you. Those are your key reports. Our managers report up to our leadership team. Okay. And then our ultimately, then the two officers of our business, our COO and CFO, report up to Shannon and myself. Okay, gotcha. I mean, in the early days, though, we created But there's KRAs. a chain
0: of command where people sure. don't get lost.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a company with an org chart. It's really clear who reports to who.
0: I would think if you don't have that, and I would actually say there's a connection between people who are resilient what you're talking about right now and organization. Oh, yeah. That people who aren't organized, who I could go to their employees and say, hey, what were you supposed to get done this week? Well, I'm not actually sure. You know, the priorities here are this and that. But your problem is probably not that you need everybody in the same room. It's that people don't know what they're supposed to be doing.
2: Yeah. and For me, grownups like to be trusted and grownups, you know, hopefully the people that you're hiring to join your organization, they should be result oriented. but. We want to just give them a clear path to make sure that they know what winning looks like in the role. I don't want them to ever end their day and go, gosh, I wonder if I'm moving the dial for the company.
0: You know, I don't think that just because somebody doesn't want a virtual culture means they don't trust people. Yeah. I think it's also because there are things that come up when people are working together that can be addressed that they would have never known about if they weren't in the same room. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is there an argument for that?
2: Yeah, the opposite side of that is distraction. You know, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, I meet a lot of folks that are incredibly distracted at work. And mm-hmm. so they'll say, "I get my best work done at home." Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I hear that from leaders all the time. Yeah, and I think that what happens is a lot of companies pay for culture unnecessarily. They're putting a lot of premium on culture when someone needs to get some work done. Yeah. and produce a result. And, and the
0: truth is, you look at Amazon and Seattle, and you look at Google, and you look at you know half of Silicon Valley. They're trying to make the office feel like home.
2: Yeah. I mean, they're like a
0: giant cereal bar in a kitchen. Yeah, nap (laughs) pods. Mom is there to cook for you. Beer fridges. Exactly. (laughs) It
2: would be fun to work there for a while, but I think those are all just— But, I mean,
0: they're trying to create a virtual culture. They're trying to, but they're just doing it with a building.
2: Well, I mean, if you you remember Yahoo, you know, a few years back, you know, Marissa Mayer basically said, hey, everybody back in the office. Hmm. And then what happened was everybody begrudgingly did that, and then a lot of their leadership left. A lot of leaders that had to come back in office bolted. and they're gone. And I see that happening in other organizations because once a person's worked off their back deck, they're ruined. Hmm. I mean, if you can get a meaningful paycheck, have meaning in what you do, and you can work off your back deck, you're And it's an incredible benefit.
0: It's as good as money in some ways. I'm not saying pay folks less, but when they can choose between a $70,000 job here and a $70,000 job working at home they're going to choose you yeah probably
2: I I won't name names but I mean they're large companies there's one in particular that made it really clear that they're struggling with the next tier leadership in their business because the leaders that they want to have come on board for them they can't get them to come and work in an office it doesn't amount the money the money doesn't matter the fact that they have to come in office 40 hours a week they're not coming in and so they have a leadership deficit that's growing because of that
0: I would also think hey, I've got a riding shed in my backyard yeah and the riding shed is where I You've seen It's where I do my writing. If I don't sort of get in the routine of walking out there to a physical space, I'm not going to get a book written. It's not that I'm not disciplined. It's, yeah. That's not it. It's just there's something about going to this space, and people are going to have to create those environments themselves. Yeah. They're going to get the work done.
2: And they do. I mean, first off, we try and find people that value working from home. Yeah. I mean, that's – Right, you know, right. Like Obviously. If you're uh, you know, an extrovert and you've got to be around people all the time. You know, you're the life of the party and you've got to go to environment like that every day.
0: Well, the problem you know. with that person is they're stealing everybody else's time in the office. <laughs> they're the distraction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They are the problem. Right.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, I want introverts quietly working in an office. Those <laughs> are a perfect world.
2: <laughs> we don't say much, but we get a lot done. Exactly. Yeah.
0: We don't know each other's names.
2: <laughs> but I would say the other thing, too, is I mean, most people have 100 square feet in their home that they call their home office. Yeah. That was the thing we got to when we, Shannon and I are going to drop. 100 grand on a lease first year, another 100 grand to upfit this thing for 30 people, or we can just acknowledge that everybody's got 100 square feet in their house. Right. In an ever-growing scaling capacity. I could literally tomorrow say we're hiring double our workforce, and I have zero concern about real estate. Let's talk. Let's space. talk
0: really practically here for a second. Have you ever done the numbers on 60 people and what you save every year by not having? Because we're all thinking about loss. We're thinking about yeah. opportunity costs. Yeah We're thinking about, I'm going to lose X amount of hours. From people by not being able to manage them. Yeah, I actually have. So Uh, what's the number? Two hundred grand a year. Two hundred thousand
2: dollars a year. Yeah, I mean because you you look at what a cost per square looks like in Atlanta. Yeah, then it's not just that they got to have a desk. They got to have clean drinking water while they're there. Mm -hmm. They are going to need to have the place heated. They're gonna have to have fun things like ping pong tables, and, and then there's, there's going to be markers. That you've got to security. Yeah. I would systems. think it's more than two hundred grand. It's a ton. And then
0: not only that, it's their gasoline. You're not paying that, but that is an expense. They're yeah.
2: paying it. Yeah. Their gasoline to get there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're actually being better in the environment because we're asking people not to come in the office. There you go. Yeah.
0: Okay. Before we get to the type of person that you want to hire, you guys have a fun culture. People love. We do. You guys get together and party. Yeah, well, we do. <laughs> you, you do things. Yeah. Tell me how you create a not just the systematic, you know, chain of command. Everybody knows what they're doing. Stuff. How do you create the kind of bond that I think I don't think anybody's owed it, but at the same time, why not? It's just a blast anyway. If you to have fun with the people that you're working, how'd you guys create that? What do you do? What specific things do you do?
2: Well, I think early on we realized that because we're not in an office every day, we do need to find. Times and places for genuine connection, right? To get to know folks in a, in a deeper capacity, and um, early on, that was renting a small cabin in the North Georgia Mountains. Hmm. And obviously, as we've grown, we're now renting out hotels. And you know, it's it's getting and how, more costly. How possibly. often do you do that? So basically, like little retreats where you're, you yeah. Know. And they're called summits. Yeah, one to two times a year. And then to the offset of those, we'll do the quarterly. We call them one days, where we get everybody together and cast vision, collaborate, and so forth. But at our summits, you know, we bring in guest speakers. We love on them. We spoil them rotten. Open bars, big party. You know they have breakout times. You know it's a great. How many days would that go two, A couple days. Generally two days. Okay. Yeah, sometimes it's three if we have and a lot. Pay, to cover you are off. paying for those hotel rooms oh, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: Are most of these people in Atlanta? Is that a yeah, strategic? I asked that because that,
2: that is a strategic decision. You geographically do yes. have them close. Yeah. Early on, the reason why they were all in Atlanta is because I couldn't afford to put them on airplanes. Yeah. And put them up when they came into Atlanta to travel. So we just said. Well, there's about 8 million people here in Atlanta. Yeah, we should be able to find some <laughs> yeah. folks you know, yeah. to do that. And it's just worked out really well. So our corporate team, our 60, are metro Atlanta. Well, that sounds awesome. All right. It is on the table for us to do it. I don't want to leave space. Listen, it's not for everybody. I can just tell you we've created a meaningful culture where people love working there. It's productive and your company can... is growing.
0: You guys are profitable. You guys are doing well.
2: Yeah, and think about this. Like, if you want to walk by and say hi to somebody in their office, just send them a link on instant message and pop up Zoom. And there you are. Mm -hmm. It's as if you're in the office with them. You know, we just, we've created an environment where you just do not need to have an office to have a meaningful connection with folks.
0: Okay. What makes a good virtual team member? You've got eight characteristics, and we're going to go through them results oriented, they're a motivated self starter. I would think that'd be true for almost any team member. But you look for that kind of person.
2: Yeah. I mean, so result oriented folks for me are ones that they come in looking for what is the net net that I need to do for the organization and specific to my role. You know, they're are, asking those questions. And they've shown that with like, maybe their previous work experience. If it's a person that's like, I call them time clock punchers. Yeah. You know, they're just there for the job. They're you know not gonna, that person man. Mean, they're, they're not going to really work does. well here. Yeah. You know, and so they're we're looking for well oriented yeah, especially in our organization, because I'm not going to be there to babysit you.
0: Have you found out those people and you've had to oh, let them go? Um, you ever yeah, those? you know,
2: we've actually had a couple over the years, over seven years doing this, that they just didn't produce the result.
0: Yeah, and they just need somebody in the room with them telling them what to do. And all yeah, like
2: they wanted to be led to every conclusion. They wanted to be fed everything without critically thinking. Those folks right. don't last in a virtual company. Okay.
0: Values working hard at home. That's There's, a specific kind of
2: person. It is. I mean, there can be distractions at home, but the truth, with somebody that likes to see results, they're going to appreciate that they have the benefit of the work off their back deck. They're going to appreciate that they can go run and take their kids to school or be in carpool and pick them up at the end of the day. Yeah. But they're going to come back and execute. They're going to get the job done. Yeah. And so there's the trade-off or the value of that. All
0: right, number three, flexibility and autonomy at their work.
2: It's, in essence, the ability to have freedom without fear that your boss is looking over your back that you know that you're trusted enough that you're going to produce the result at the end of the day you're going to make the sales calls you're going to make the phone call whatever that thing is you're tasked to do Do without someone certain
0: is there a way to financially have somebody tied to the fact that they're getting amount of work done i mean you know with salespeople, it's pretty easy to have a base salary and then it's a commission structure thing so i don't really care if you you know if you do two hours today or 10 yeah you're not going to make your Payroll if you don't, you know, you're not gonna be able to pay your mortgage unless yeah, you get some
2: work done. I think that even the way you're saying, like, you don't really care about this or that, you're already leaning in the direction that you're expecting results of folks, right. which means you don't need an office to do that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, number four,
2: they want to work from home. Yeah, there's some that romanticize about the idea of it, but at the end of the day, to stay focused in what they do, they've got to be in an office. Do you ask questions when you're interviewing somebody? What is your home like? We need to make sure that they have a place to work. Then we make sure that they've got the tools in place. You know, they've got high-speed internet. If they're producing a computer, which, you know, we'll produce one as well, but, like, you know, it's got to have a really great web camera on it. Hmm. They've got to want to work from home and have a quiet place for that, you know, because we do conduct ourselves like a business, and which means yeah. you've got to, you know, keep it distraction-free as best you can.
0: Okay. Okay. So you've got some rules around that. I mean you actually have oh, yeah. some I structure. Mean, we, you can Not imagine rules. we
2: paid some stupid tax of the years, you know. <laughs> you know, grandma walks by and looks funny at the screen, or dog's barking, you know, there's all sorts of things that we've like, hey, you know Yeah. Dial you, it in. You here. can't do these things and continue to work.
0: Forthcoming and able to correspond clearly. This would be huge actually.
2: We talk about breaking the threshold of communication. Okay. So Early on, in the first you know 90 days of an employee that's working remotely, you can't over communicate enough, mm-hmm. and so you have to say like these things thoroughly through. And so should the leader that's overseeing that person. And so you got to have a person that can isn't impatient and says, ah, oh, you know, just figure this out. You have to say like, okay, I got this. I'm gonna run with this. And then over time, it becomes easier, and you get to know the other coworker, or your leader. But you've got to be willing to over communicate for a season of time.
0: Okay, and that's number six, goes above and beyond to over-communicate. Number seven goes, you've got three in here just about communication. And you say, see from the perspective of everyone they communicate with. I would think you just sit down with people and say, listen, you can't live in a vacuum here. Yeah. It's going to be a little harder because we're
2: virtual. Yeah. And you got to understand what people want to hear. And leverage the tools that we have for you. You know, Because it's, it's just different. It's it a is. a different
0: way of communicating. All right, finally, number eight, organized with great time management skills.
2: Yeah, if you value working from home, you're going to have those things that you want that are a benefit from working from home. You know, walking the dog or, you know, going out for lunch with a friend or whatever. But you've got to own your calendar. Otherwise, it'll quickly own you. And those people that do not manage your calendar well in our company are quickly found out.
0: Hmm. Well, I think those problems would rise. Yeah, really quick
2: because you're on a Zoom call at two and And they're not there. there. That doesn't work. Or they're clearly in a theater. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I could see myself
0: making that mistake. (laughs) Brian, I love this idea. In fact, I'm already thinking, I can't commit to it
2: yet, but I'm already thinking parts of our staff. That's the other thing. Parts of your staff could be. Virtual. You don't have to have the whole thing like we've decided to do. For example, for years, bigger corporations have always had their salespeople remote because they have to be in certain territories. Right. right. I mean it to some extent that's been out there for a long time. Right. You know, maybe you've got a an office employee where you say, like, two days a week, you can work from home. Yeah. You know, you can baby step in that direction. Right.
0: It's a little bit of a different world. I'm forty six and part of my hesitancy to this is That I'm not a big internet guy. I I shared on previous episodes, there's like four websites that I go to. I don't even know what else is on the internet. (laughs) I'm just not curious, I guess. You know, I read the news on my phone, those kinds of things. But you're talking about a generation coming up into the workforce, and even just the generation behind me who's, they were born and raised virtually anyway. Yeah, Their friendships are virtual. Yep. Their family is some way, you know, tied to these virtual tools. Yep. This is how they live life. They're way more fluid. The other thing is I'm 100% in agreement because I've just studied my own life enough to know four hours of one kind of work is worth 20 hours of another. That you just can't always... I can't walk into a room and have genius right there, right? There's other things at play, and I pretty much am never not working and often am never really working. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Here's what I'm trying to say. A lot of leaders out there are going... But I want to make sure I get my eight hours. And what I want to say is you might get 16. Yeah. It might be the opposite problem. You're only getting eight. And I'm not talking about people only think about work. But I'm saying while they're having dinner, they kind of go, oh, you know what? Maybe I should say that in that email. Hold on. Let me... You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And they're just kind of always on and always off, which and that that's is the way a people are now. That you think a that's dang- a danger? Well,
2: it can't be because then people that always work from home never shut it off.
0: How do you protect people from that? Do you guys do anything as an organization yeah. to say?
2: Yeah, we say shut it off, and we live by it. our leaders. We you won't turn find to your me. Slack messages
0: so that people can't find you.
2: Yeah, you won't see me as a leader. I'll lead the way with this. You know, you don't see me emailing you eight o'clock at night. Yeah. Or on weekends, if I do, I'll boomerang it, where it has to go out on a Monday morning. at 7 a.m. or something like that. Right. We just, you can't ask people to do something if you're not willing to do it yourself as a leader. Right. So that is the case. We have people that have swallowed the hook on ballet. They love what they do here. And they're going to work till 10 o'clock at night if you let them. Yeah. And we don't want that. We want them to have a good balance at home. Okay.
0: Would you do that in exchange for the fact that they didn't work a couple hours that afternoon? Or do you sure. try to keep
2: office hours? Absolutely. It's not about time. Yeah. It's about results. Right. What's the result? And so our results It's a big, are, giant paradigm shift. It's just not time-oriented. I mean, what you're doing, you're at, for example, I asked my sales team, each person on the sales team has a quota. Are you getting the result? What's the result? I don't care if they worked so many hours. I care that they produced the result of more contracts. And same with our relationship managers. It matters to me that they're keeping and retaining our customers. Yeah. The hours are immaterial in that situation. The industrial age is a very intriguing thing to me. What happened was, I mentioned this in the book about Henry Ford, a wonderful guy, ushered in a new era in American history and productivity for the American worker. The problem is what you did was you put your workers in the middle on the factory floor, and then you put your managers around them. Hmm. If you look at every corporate office space today, what do you do? You put your employees in the middle in a cubicle, and you put your managers around them. Mm -hmm. It's an IP version of an assembly line. Exactly. And so what those things imply are, It's time-bound, it's time-focused, and I have to see you to control you. Hmm. And people that are coming Which in the
0: old days, if you're building a ship or a Model T, you you had to do it. Yeah. So you're saying
2: this is an outdated— It's over because I'm talking to hiring managers that are saying, I can't find great leaders. So there's already a leadership deficit. And then you've got a younger worker coming in saying, I'm not going to come work for you if I have to come into an office. Hmm. I can produce a great result for you and never come in the doors. Mm Mm-hmm. It's happening. I mean, I'm witnessing it across the country.
0: And you guys, I would say, from knowing you for as long as I have, you guys are succeeding at this. I mean, your company is growing. You guys are doing great.
2: I mean, like I said, I joked about it a little bit, but like we could double our workforce tomorrow. Literally, they have the office space in their homes. Right. All
0: right. Well, if you're thinking about buying commercial space like I am, this is worth considering. Brian, your book is called Virtual Culture. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. It's been awesome. Yeah, he's got strong opinions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it works for them. It works really
0: well for them. It works incredibly yeah. well. And I think it would work for a lot of us. And you know what? I think we could make it work. Too, I would really miss you guys.
1: That's, I think, the big part of it, it is really, that my, my heart we, would sink we do allow some, our employees to take some virtual days and there are some of our, even our salespeople who are on the phone all the they time. They have to take they, virtual yeah. days because we don't the room. <laughs> yeah, so they, they work from home, but even they like are saying, I want to be in here as much as possible because yeah. I miss when we're not together.
0: I know, it's fun. Sometimes I th- actually think we'd be, Brian's right, we would be more productive if we were If together. we were <laughs> virtually, <laughs> but it's like, we're willing to take the hit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Jacob Morgan is our next guest and Jacob like I said wrote a book called The Employee Experience Advantage it's about a lot of things it's actually terrific it's a textbook this is a rich not a heavy read but it's well researched it's the sort of thing that he could walk into Harvard and actually teach this I just wanted to talk to him though about chapter 5 and chapter 5 is about the physical workspace and so he's not going to counter what Brian said because virtual work is part of what he's talking about but he's got some other options for us. so here's my conversation with Jacob Morgan Jacob, thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm actually really excited about our conversation today. You don't just talk about physical workspace, you talk about the entire employee experience and how to set up an employee experience so, you know, not only people are more happy, but they're more productive. It affects the bottom line, and you got a lot of stuff on that. But you have a chapter in your book, The Employee Experience Advantage, about the physical workspace. What are the things that people
3: are doing today to make their employees more happy, and what are they getting out of it? Well, so there are three broad environments. I know that we're gonna talk a little bit more about physical space, but there are three broad environments which uh, the world's top companies are focusing on, and these are culture, technology, and physical space. And what I found is that these are ultimately the three environments that shape every experience for every employee at every company around the world. So as an organization, if you wanna create a great place to work, create an environment where people actually want to show up, You have to focus on those three things culture, basically how employees feel, technology, the tools and resources that employees have to do their jobs, and physical space, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's the environments in which employees work. And this is true whether they are in a co working spot, whether they are working from home, or whether they are working from a corporate location. But what I found when it comes to physical space, there are a couple, I guess you could say, criteria or metrics that I've found that are pretty good indicators to determine if an organization has a great physical space. The first thing that you start to notice, assuming that the policy allows this, is that you see a lot of your employees who wanna bring in friends and family members to show off the space. A lot of organizations, for example, Airbnb, Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, they have a bring your parent to work day, bring your friend to work day. In fact, anytime you wanna have lunch at some of these places like Google, these employees are encouraged to bring in your friends, let them have lunch here. And so if you find that employees are doing that, they're doing it for a reason, because they feel a sense of connection to the space, they're proud of the space, and they want to let other people know what kind of a cool company they're a part of.
0: Is it they're connecting their personal lives with their professional lives? And is that beginning to blur that delineation?
3: Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. uh, work-life balance is completely replaced by work-life integration. I mean, that's kind of a new terminology that's now being used. It seems like in my life
0: personally, that happens because I've enjoyed my work more. I don't want to delineate because I don't see work as a bad thing or something to separate. My wife and I talk about work fairly often. It's never a problem. We actually enjoy it. It's never causing Is that the sort of environment that leaders, and we're talking to mostly leaders today, is that the sort of environment
3: that it benefits them to create? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, depending on the company that you talk to, right? I mean, there's still some companies out there, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with this, but there's still some companies out there that are very big proponents of a specific work-life balance. In other words, you work nine to five, five o'clock, everybody goes home, don't check your email, don't check your phone, and you're just chilling out, relaxing with family, friends, doing whatever you want to do. And that's fine, because that works for those organizations. But the overall trend that we're starting to see is that that is becoming much harder to achieve. And instead what's happening is that you're bringing your life to work and you're bringing your work home with you to your life and nobody's keeping track of hours. Just do what you need to do. Get it done when you need to get it done by. But at the same time, go pick up your kids from school. Go drop them off at soccer. Go to a doctor's appointment. Work in the evening. Work in the morning. Work whenever you want. And that is starting to become more of the standard that organizations are starting to embrace. So it's definitely this area of work-life integration instead of work-life balance as far as the broader trend goes.
0: If a company decides they want to take this step and the leader is comfortable with it and understands it and feels it intuitively, I wanna get into what the physical environment needs to look like and feel like as you go into it. So if I'm saying I'm an employee and we are a company that you know StoryBrand is having to move soon within the next 12 months into an environment, And we're going to move again three years from now. We've outgrown the environment we're in, but the real home for StoryBrand is at least three years away from breaking ground downtown Nashville, we hope. And so we're going to have to rebuild this thing twice. As somebody who loves the fact that my team members' friends come in all the time, family comes in all the time. Sometimes they're here really early. Sometimes they're here really late. People do go leave and pick up their kids from school and all this kind of stuff. As somebody who's created this sort of environment, we actually office out of a home right now. And it works so perfectly because the living room feels like a family living room. And even that's our conference room and stuff. But the next environment's not going to be a home. It's going to be specifically built for a business. What are things that I need to do on this first point? And there's three other points. But on this first point, bringing friends and visitors in, what do I need to have in my place?
3: Well, first, obviously, you need to have a policy in place that supports it. It can be double-edged, right? Because if you have an environment that's unattractive, that's dull, that's boring, that's nothing but cubicles, that's uninspiring – and you have a policy in place that allows your coworkers or your peers to bring in friends and family members, (laughs) A, they might not, yeah, either they won't want to do it or the people that they bring in are going to be like, oh my God, you work here? Like, (laughs) (laughs) oh, that's so depressing. You should come check out my space and then you'll really see what a cool space looks like. So this works only if your organization has truly made the investment into creating a space that employees actually want. Now, it's really hard to say what are the kind of, the common things that you should put into every office. The broad trend is that we're seeing a lot of physical spaces that feel a little bit more like home. I mean, you talked about this uh, with your space as well. Your living room feels like a home living room. So if you walk into a lot of these organizations that are doing a good job of this, you feel kind of like you're at home. Like you feel like you're in a living room. You feel like you're in your home kitchen. You feel like you get to lounge. You feel like you're outside in your garden. So this blending of work and life is really crucial. So if I was building a space for my employees, one of the things that I would probably want to find out the most is what do they care about and what do they value, how do they work? You should never design things for your employees, you should always design things with your employees. I've heard countless stories of organizations that have made very large investments into designing certain spaces, and employees either don't use the spaces or they provide negative feedback on the spaces, That usually happens when a small group of people comes together and says, we're going to redesign the space. This is what it's going to look like. And the employees usually say, hey, how about you ask us what we think, what we care about? So the first step for me would be, if I was doing this, is to have some conversations with my people and say, look, we're thinking about redesigning our space. What would you like to see in it? I mean, what would make you feel like you want to come to this office more often? What would make you feel more engaged and empowered and inspired? And start those conversations and you'll get a lot of really interesting perspectives. Some people might say they want natural light. Other people might say that they want some open space, but they also want some kind of quiet time. You can get a sense of what you should be creating by asking your people instead of by guessing.
0: That sounds awesome. And I remember doing that. We kind of drew things out and How many people need a private office? How many people need a public office? And I didn't realize some team members came back to me later and said, man, that just really helped us take ownership. And I thought, well, that's a strategic move from now on. I just didn't know how to design an office. (laughs) I thought you could design for me.
3: Exactly. Also,
0: point two, it offers flexibility. You say, however, workplace flexibility doesn't simply mean letting employees work from home. Flexibility refers to employee genuinely being able to pick up when and where they work, whether it means coming into the office, working from home, going to a coffee shop or co-working facility or going anywhere else where they can get their jobs done. So, you know, how important are open spaces versus private offices versus do you want to treat your whole office like a big, giant co-working space where people float around? What are the benefits to all of that?
3: So there was a lot of debate around this topic over the past few years. Uh, you know, those dogs need some sort of medication. <laughs> I think uh, they're they're great. <laughs> I think they're
0: giving you some opinions on what they want in their co-working exactly. facility. Exactly.
3: <laughs> Thankfully, they don't have a say in the matter. They uh, <laughs> they do what I say. So there used to be a lot of debate, as I'm sure you remember over the past few years between open versus closed spaces, which one's yeah, which one's
0: bad. Yeah, there are all these studies on is it really this productive, you know, to
3: have all these open walls. And all those debates really miss the heart of the issue, which is it's not about having an open or a closed space. It's about having multiple workspace options. So if you walk into, let's say, for example, a LinkedIn or Facebook or an Airbnb, although you might see more of an open space as opposed to a closed space, what you'll also see is that they have probably 10 to 12 different environments. They have some cafe-like areas, some lounge areas, some outside spaces, conference rooms, quiet areas. Like you can pick as an employee, depending on the work that you're doing, the environment that you want to be in. And that is what helps make you more productive and engaged and effective at work. So when I say offers flexibility, not only do you need to have workplace flexibility as far as the hours that you work, um, and not only the location that you work outside of work, but also flexibility inside the spaces in which you work. You shouldn't be forced to sit in one environment all day, whether it's open or closed. And the analogy I always like to draw is imagine you were to buy a house and the house only had one room. And the room was a kitchen and everything you did had to be done in the kitchen, right? You wouldn't want to be in that kind of a house. Yet consider that we spend almost as much time at work as we do at home. So if you wouldn't want to buy that kind of a house, why would you want to work in that kind of a setting where all you can do is either just sit in a cubicle, where all that you can do is just sit in an open floor plan where you need to stare at everybody else all day? I mean, wouldn't it be better if you could you know, maybe you want energy from other people. So you're gonna start off your morning working in that open environment. And then later you like, you really need to get some focused work done. So you go into like a little quiet area, you know, put on headphones and you're kind of isolated. And then later on in the day, you want that energy again. So maybe you go sit outside, right? You can be flexible with these different types of workspace options. And that is what a lot of the world's leading organizations are actually doing. I remember reading a uh, article about CBRE, a commercial real estate firm. And they redesigned their spaces in Los Angeles, one of their huge buildings. And if I recall correctly, they created a new building that I think had 16 different floor plans that employees can pick from. And there was also a study that was done by a company called Leasman based in the UK. And they found that during the course of a typical day, an employee can perform up to 21 different types of activities. So... If you're doing all these different types of activities, it only makes sense that you should be able to have some customization over where those activities get done. So huge believer in workplace flexibility and also a huge believer in leveraging multiple workspace options at work.
0: Even as you're speaking, I'm redesigning this whole thing in my brain. It's really fun, but I geek out on this stuff. Okay, the organization should reflect your values. And I'm always curious about this because most organizations say, well, you know, we paint our values on the wall, right? And there's 12 different values, and it's all done in poetic language that nobody actually remembers. It's like a communist manifesto that people can't actually remember. Yeah. And I love Ken Blanchard's work where he says, you can only have three company values. If you have a fourth, nobody will remember any of them. How do you get the simplicity of your company values embedded, baked into the physical structure of your surroundings?
3: You bring up a great point, and we see this all the time. In fact, there's a classic scene in the movie Office Space where the employees are standing around their cubicles and you know there's a big banner over one of the employees' heads that says, "You know, is this good for the company? And I see this all the time where I walk into various offices and they always say, yes, our values are reflected. And they literally paint their values on the wall. They literally hang their values from the rafters. And then I always say, okay, that's nice, but that's not what I'm talking about here. Like, you need to not just see the values in terms of like the words that are there, but you need to see the manifestations of those values come to life. Yeah. So, typical values are things like fun, trust, transparency, integrity, innovation, you know, stuff like that. And so, when I say your values are reflected in the space, there's a simple test that I always like to encourage people to do. And that's write down your values on a sheet of paper and walk around your physical space and see if those values come to life. If fun is one of your values, do you walk around your space and see people (laughs) having fun? Or are they like holding their head in their hands, crying? Or is there there even a
0: place for them to have fun? Is there something in the building that's fun, that's playful? Exactly.
3: So I remember I was giving a talk once, somebody raised their hands and they said, you know, one of our values is doing the right thing. How do you manifest that in a physical space? And I was like, oh man, I have no clue. And then somebody else raised their hand and they said, you know, that's also our value. And we do that in a couple different ways. We have sustainable recycling on site. We bring in various speakers to help encourage and educate us about doing the right thing. Battery recycling was a huge thing that they did. And so by doing the right thing, they actually made their physical space, like a place for people to recycle batteries. And so you see that come to life because doing the right thing and you're kind of like, I got to solve this technology I need to get rid of. What do I do with it? Well, the right thing would be to take it to a facility, but I have that facility here on site. So there are all sorts of creative things that you can do to help make sure that those values are manifested. But if they're not manifested, then your values are, I mean, they're useless at least in the eyes of your employees. Yeah.
0: Jacob, you've kind of already hit point four, which is multiple workspace options. But, you know, earlier in this podcast, we actually talked to Brian Miles and he Uh, wrote a book called Virtual Culture, and Brian employs 68 full-time people and 450 remote contractors, and he's never had an office, and he likes it, and he talks about how to do that. I actually talked to my staff about that and said, would anybody here be interested in just going virtual, that we actually don't have an office? And they weren't. They wanted a physical space, and it's a little bit different. Brian's business is mostly dealing with moms who are at home and want a third option, a career, to be able to work from home, so you know, he does that. I'm curious, though, getting back to your point, which is your fourth point that we've already talked a little bit about, having multiple workspace options. Talk to me about the relationship between a physical space and people working from home. For instance, I have one sales rep who comes in. We're limited on space, so he really only comes in a couple days a week, and that's basically to embed himself into the culture. We enjoy time with him. He enjoys time with us. The other three days a week, he works from home, and so it's this hybrid of virtual physical space. Have you seen more companies doing that sort of thing?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So lots of organizations are doing that. And so there are a couple of things to keep in mind when it comes to uh, remote or virtual employees, whether part-time or full-time. So first, at the very onset, when those employees are hired, they need to be the types of employees that thrive in that kind of an environment. So if you take an employee who was always full-time, and then all of a sudden you say, now you're going to be virtual, that might be a tough thing for them to adjust to. But if you take somebody that you're looking to hire and they're used to working in that kind of an environment, they can motivate themselves, they can push themselves, they don't need to be around people all day, then that's much easier. So first thing to keep in mind is make sure that you hire and bring in the right person that is able to work in that kind of an environment. When we look at the physical space, when an employee is working at home or from a coffee shop, they control their physical space 100%. Right? When you show up to work, the company controls your space because they design what that looks like, they design the layout. So at home, you control that as the employee. So that's a good thing, right? You can do anything you want. You can have the dogs, you can take breaks when you want, go to the fridge when you want, like it's easy. Now, as far as corporate culture goes, you wanna make sure that employees feel like they're still connected and part of a team. So for those types of environments, I've seen organizations, of course, leverage technology, leverage video conferencing. I've seen organizations of course, bring in those employees into the office on a regular basis. They also give those employees privileges during conferences, right? Those employees get to speak first during conference calls. If you visit Upwork, for example, Upwork has walls of pictures of all of their remote employees so that the physical employees can know who these people are, who they're working with actually. So you can do certain things like that to help kind of bring in and foster that kind of corporate culture do regular check-ins, make sure that you're constantly just like, hey, how's it going? What are you working on? Like, you know, you want to be that presence that's there. And I think if you follow those things, it should be pretty easy and straightforward, assuming, again, that the employee wants to work in that kind of an environment.
0: There's so many ways to do this. I'm surprised that, you know, StoryBrand is about five years old now, and it's my first company in which I've had more than 10 employees. I'm just shocked if I spend... 30% of my time paying attention to culture, environment, and all the stuff you're talking about, it is as beneficial to my bottom line as sometimes the other 30% of my time I'm spending on marketing. I mean, it really is that big of a deal, and I don't want our listeners to miss that. Your team members coming to your environment and feeling great and loving it and even wanting to stay late, not that I want them to stay late, but if there's cars in the parking lot at 6 o'clock on a Friday... That's saying to me something. That's saying, one, these people like each other. They may not be working, but they like each other and they want to hang out. And they like their work and they like the customers. You know, we forget that they are people who represent us in the marketplace and making them happy actually matters. Jacob, I think you've got to be one of the world's experts on this. The book is The Employee Experience Advantage. And I want to be real clear here. This is a textbook. Your index on this is a mile long. This book is for any human resources person, anybody in business development, and anybody definitely who's about to spend a bunch of money on a building that may actually cost you more money than it ever makes you if you don't do it right. You've covered all the bases in this book. I hate to limit this interview to the physical space because you talk about an employee's reason for being, being reflected in the culture— You talk about a lot of stuff in this book, and congratulations on all your work. I think, you know, somebody like you, you're not just creating better spaces for people to work. You're creating better experiences in people's lives, and I think that's connected to mental health and a lot of other things. Jacob, thanks for giving us some of your time.
3: Yeah, of course. I appreciate the kind words. Uh, Of course, I I try, and I hope that the book and the index and... And the research and a lot of these ideas and learnings from these world-leading organizations will help kind of inspire people and get them to think in the right direction. I mean, that's ultimately what this is about. So I'm hoping that that's what people walk away with.
0: Well, you're on to something. Listen, if you want to talk to Jacob about your organization and what you can do to increase employee engagement and create a better culture and even a physical space, just go to thefutureorganization.com. That's thefutureorganization.com, and you can get in touch with Jacob there. Jacob, thanks again. Thank you very much. We're building an office, Yeah, and I'm curious. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit as a group, Yeah, but I've never heard from you, I don't think. What do you want in the office? What's your dream list of what goes into that office?
1: There needs to be some space to socialize and yes. food. Like yeah. That has to be included. Done. Done. Um, because I already know what's coming in it, because <laughs> it, it's going to have kind of a dual function, I'm really excited that there's a stage involved. There is and a stage. So, <laughs> there's, a sta- there's going to be there's a, stage a stage in our office. So there will be a number so, of so the audience shows. knows We're
0: building an event space. Yeah. For another thing, and we're going to office in it yeah, for two years. Yeah, but
1: until the event space happens, then there will be plenty of talent shows on that stage and karaoke nights. I
0: think we will grieve the day that we have to leave that yeah, place. Do too. Although the downtown space is just, I can't tell people yet. Yeah, but... Just stay tuned, because the yeah. downtown Nashville space, we literally put it on hold in order to get this opportunity. Hopefully it works out. Yeah. But that's going to be incredible. But the new space, Commercial Kitchen... I know. Cereal
1: bar is a must. I've been to Pixar. I've been on a tour at Pixar, and their cereal bar is really fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I think for me, spaces that you can move about and be creative so you're not kind of cramped in one spot. I do like a private office. I'm the kind of person who needs kind of the door shut. If there's a lot of distractions around me, that's actually really hard for me. But then I like to get out and be creative and move around and be inspired. And The
0: big thing for me is like a living room. Yeah. I love the fact that our current office has a living room. Yeah and it feels there's something family-oriented about it. You know, Jacob and I just talked about that in the interview. It really works. So I hope this gave you some ideas about things that you can do in your office, hopefully on the cheap, to make a huge difference. And space really matters. It is a character in the story. Listen, if you haven't gone to 5minutemarketingmakeover.com yet, you want to, 5minutemarketingmakeover.com are three videos. I wish they were five minutes, but they're actually a little over five minutes. Three videos that will revolutionize your marketing. They're free, 5minutemarketingmakeover.com. We actually just replaced all three videos and we updated them with new incredible material, but it's the same website, 5minutemarketingmakeover.com. If you haven't gone there yet, it's a great place to start. And what we want to do is make you more money. I mean, that's really it. Just going to give you some really practical stuff to make you more money. And our thought is, if we do that, you'll come back and you'll say, StoryBrand, what else you got? So test us out. See if we're good at what we're doing. I think you're going to realize some really good stuff about your marketing and get some practical tips to get your return on your investment. Of course, your investment is nothing. So that's an easy one, but you're going to get a huge return anyway. Five-minute marketing makeover.com jj great episode yeah so (laughs) fun all right music from this episode is by andrew bell you can listen to andrew's new record dive deep on spotify or on itunes thanks as always for listening to the building a story brand podcast where we believe if you confuse you'll lose noise is the enemy and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business